friends, and welcome to your Monday edition of the Kings of Anglia Ipswich Town podcast. And fittingly, considering it's dark and cold here at Heath Towers, Ipswich Town lost at the weekend. It's a grumpy old man special today. Mark Heath, Stuart Watson, the senior citizens in the Ipswich Town content team, bringing you a podcast in the wake of what is a very rare and unusual feeling, Ipswich Town losing a game, Stewie, at West Brom. We knew it was going to be a tough game. 2-0 they went down. How are you feeling about things? I feel fine, in the words of <laughs> Sir Alf Ramsey, uh, an old quote from this podcast. Um, it's going to happen at some point, wasn't it? Away to West Brom is no disgrace, it's no disaster. Um, the performance wasn't wasn't brilliant in overall, but I think a lot of credit has to go to the opposition, which is a little bit of perspective time. West Brom have got a team... As Kieran McKenna said, going into the game, that has still got loads of Premier League experience in it, loads of top end Championship experience in it. Uh, a very highly rated manager, sort of cut from the same cloth as Kieran McKenna, and they had a few players coming back from injury. And um, yeah, it was just one of those games where the goals came at key times, and Ipswich were never quite able to get back into it. But um, I don't think it's one that needs it too much uh over over worrying about overthinking about i was going to say too much analysis and then realize we've got we've got an hour's worth of podding ahead of us <laughs> yeah i was pleased you didn't go down that route uh stewie because as you say we do now have to talk about it in great depth um but let's kick off with you speaking to mckenna after the game and let's see what kieran made of the defeat in the game itself 12 game unbeaten run in the league comes to an end today what, what did you make of um performance as a whole yeah, obviously it wasn't our night. Um, look, I think the the goals, the nature of the goals and the timing of the goals dictated, you know, the whole feel of the performance and the context of the game. Really, um, it was always going to be a difficult game tonight coming here <clears throat> after an international break and a Saturday night game was always going to be very difficult. But to concede um, on the first corner that they get makes it really, really difficult. Um, know that West Brom are, are good at defending leads and in the first half we were pretty comfortable, we were stable in the game but they're a hard team to create big chances against um, we came out at the start of the second half well, we changed a few little things at half time I would have fancied us to, to push on in the start of the second half, we did start well for a few minutes, came you know, close with a cross that goes in, earns a corner and then they score from our corner and um, again that set the, the context and the feel of the whole second half really, so um, yeah, obviously, wasn't our night. Credit to the opponent. I think the goals had a massive impact in the feel and the flow of the game. Um, and that's the, the main thing that we need to improve on. So McKenna says it wasn't our night. Sometimes you are just beaten by a better side. And, you know, that is going to happen in football at this level with Ipswich Town having just been promoted. Two streaks ended, though, Stewie. One is that 12-game that unbeaten run you mentioned at the start of that question. The other one is Rossi's hot take has died a, a death. And there's a beautiful moment on game day where he actually realises hmm. mid-game day that it's ended. His hot take, obviously, before the season, which was a big shout at the time, was that Tam would score in every game this season. He did then add, apart from the nil-nils. Um, but yeah, it, it's taken till the end of November for that streak to end, Stu. So A, it was an audacious shout. And B, I wasn't really expecting it to, to have this much life. No, uh, it's the first time they haven't scored a goal going right back to 
Valentine's Day and that nil-nil draw at Bristol Rovers mm. when we were all questioning whether they might slip out the top six at the time mm. and they'd had a bit of a, a sticky run over Christmas with a, a few draws and um, yeah, all the gnashing of teeth after that result ended up looking a bit silly, didn't it? So uh, that's probably a little reminder that um, you know we shouldn't shouldn't go overboard on these little knockbacks. There's, there was always going to be a, a few little bumps in the road. Ipswich are a newly promoted team that didn't make a ton of changes in mm. the summer. Are West Brom streets ahead of them? On that performance, you'd say they looked the better side, but I do agree with Kieran McKenna. Goals goals change games, as the old cliche mm. goes, and it, and it does change the momentum of football matches. And conceding early... Is not not ideal, and I think we'll probably talk about that in a minute. But the second goal was the killer one. I actually thought they'd done quite well to to settle and get themselves a foothold in that first half. There wasn't a lot between the two sides um, in that first half. Ipswich had plenty of the ball. They got into the final third quite quite a few times. Just wasn't the usual sort of uh, clinical edge to Ipswich. Didn't quite click an attack, but half time one nil down, settled. I got past that little post-goal storm, mm. and um, you know the way McKenna is able to enable to his ability to kind of see how games are unfolding and give live feedback to his players, and quite often are able to turn things around in the second half. You, I was kind of excited to see whether they could do that, and they started the second half pretty well, actually forcing that corner look to be on the front foot. That was the killer one. Um, one nil was always going to be difficult to come back against West Brom, who, who keep a ton of clean sheets and look really organised. They didn't look outstanding in attack, but they look like a team that are just really well organised and difficult to break down. And as mm. Kieran McKenna said, they don't give a, they don't let leads slip very often. They, uh, it was unlikely they were going to let a one nil lead slip, let alone two. And um, yeah, once once it went to two nil, they looked like a well oiled machine that were going to be very difficult to break down. Well, that's clearly the main talking point, isn't it? From from the game, I guess is is this continuing trend of conceding early goals, Stewie. That's a sixth straight game, including the cup game against Fulham. They've, they've conceded early. I've done some research, mate. Plymouth seven minutes, Fulham nine minutes, Birmingham thirteen minutes, Rotherham four minutes, Swansea seven minutes, and obviously here it was it was five minutes. Um, Shall we hear from from Kieran McKenna first of all about that habit, and then we can we can talk about it. You asked him about it after the game. The, the early goals has become a theme over the, the last few games. Is that something that you, you're going to go away and, and really analyse and work? I'm sure, I'm sure it was over the break, but it's it, I guess that's sort of uh, you can't keep coming back from those those early goals forever. No, look, it's of course something that we have we have analysed and, and spoken about with a group over the break. Um, for me, it's more about a set. It's more about how we defended the set play. You know, you're away from home. No matter how you start a game like this, they're probably going to get a set play in the first ten minutes, and, and you have to defend it better than what we did. Whether that first corner had to come in the whatever minute it was, if it had to come in the fifth minute or the twenty-fifth minute, the fiftieth minute, we would have had to defend it better than that. Um, on the flip side, our first corner, we we created a. a re- pretty good chance for Jack that we didn't take so yeah I think more so than obsessing about the start we're aware of it you know I've been here for two years it's not been an issue for us until quite recently um, but rather than obsessing about the start tonight I actually thought we had a really good energy and and uh, I liked the, the feel of us in the first couple of minutes but um, the first corner that we we had to defend we didn't defend so I think it's more about 
you know, reflect on that. We've been strong in set plays this season. I, I don't think we'd conceded one possibly up until Rotherham, but now we've conceded, you know, set play against Rotherham, early set play against Swansea, early set play tonight. So it's not like we've been battered at the start of games with chances. It's just, you know, defending the set play moments better. First of all, I enjoyed McKenna's little giggle, Stuart, at the start of that question. When you you both realised that, yes, it was a question that clearly they, they, they will be doing something about. But sometimes those are, you have to ask those questions as journalists to get the answer, don't you, Stuart? Yeah, it was a difficult one to word, really, because without yeah. it sort of being like, why haven't you looked at this when you're dealing <laughs> with a manager who's quite yeah. clearly someone who leaves no stone unturned and has mm. just had two weeks to analyse all that sort of stuff? So it's a little bit of furious backpedalling in that question, as you probably heard. But... Um, yeah, it was the, the the general theme of the the early goals was something that sort of had to be addressed in that mm. that post match, and as you just heard, a pretty pretty measured uh, response from the manager when when emotions were still pretty raw after the game. What do you make of this, though, Stu? Because it's definitely a trend now. Six straight games, it's happened. It's it's a bit of a vault fast, isn't it? From earlier in the season when we were talking about Town starting fast and more often than not um, getting getting their noses in front. Now they they're giving themselves a little bit of a, a mountain to climb, at least in recent times, uh, and we know they're. Clearly, not the town of old. They're more than capable of coming back from from being a goal or even two goals down. But it's not a position you can keep putting yourself in, Stu. No, it's more so without getting as 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 Kieran just said there about getting obsessed with the timing of these first goals. It's more the the quantity of them. If you mm. look at the last, get the results up. How many games have they conceded? Two goals, at least five. two goals in a game now. Five, five goals. Games. Yeah, five, five games. games. Yeah, yeah. so. You can't keep conceding twice and expecting to to get a draw or a win. Um, so that's something. Go back to the early days of Kieran McKenna's management. It was lots of clean sheets. It was keeping mm. it tight. And then they've kind of flipped the balance if, on that and, and become sort of a more exciting team that has scored more goals. But I think it's just a reminder that the, a level higher you get punished. You know, mm. in League One, that breakaway second probably isn't scored by the majority of League One clubs. The the quality, the pace, the athleticism, the final bit of uh, calmness to to slip that last pass and to and to get the finish in off the post as well. That's what you're dealing with. The higher you go, you know, mm. smaller errors get get ruthlessly punished. And that's that's what Ipswich found um on Saturday. There's no real common theme either, is there, with these early goals? I mean obviously Saturdays came from a corner, but we've seen some spectacular strikes included in there, Whitaker for Plymouth, that kind of thing. It's not like there's something you can go, right, that's the problem, we, we can fix it. It's kind of all sorts of different things. Um, mm. do, are you, we talk about the goals being conceded there, that's five straight games they've conceded at least two goals, six if you count the, the cup game with Fulham. Is there, are there things that you're looking at defensively that give you pause for concern or? Um The long pause there probably suggests not. Uh, mm. I know they talked about going away from their principles, for example, with the, the late equaliser against Rotherham, but long throw into the box, bit of head tennis, couldn't quite get it clear. Guy smacks it in the top corner. Sometimes you have to hold your hands up. Um, the breakaway goal, that was a, an Ipswich corner. It was a Sam Morsey shot that kind of got blocked, could have fallen anywhere, landed at the feet of... One of their players who could who could then set up the attack. Can you do much more about that? I'm not so sure. The first one, I think they'll they'll want to look back on. And I'm watching it back. It's Nathan Broadhead who falls asleep a little bit. Yeah. I think he loses his man mm. at the near post, not having anyone on the line on either post uh, to stop the ball going in was interesting. 
I'll be honest, I have to kind of look back at the previous set pieces. Is that a thing that Ipswich have been doing for, for weeks and months and we just haven't noticed it? And then suddenly one goes in and you go, why haven't they got a man on the post? So I'd, I'd have to have a look back at that. Um, but yeah, the, the marking was poor and I think it is Broadhead who probably loses loses his man. So um, yeah, just being being sharper a little bit in those that set piece scenario is one. But in answer to your question, I don't think there's any obvious sort of theme or weakness or somewhere where they're repeatedly getting done and as McKenna says is it like they're sort of under the cosh within the first 10 minutes Mm. and and really sort of not starting well starting sluggishly Birmingham's probably the only game that you'd put in that bracket and again that was maybe getting caught out by the surprise 4-4-2 and crowd up for um, you know Rooney trying to get his first first uh, home win in charge and all that sort of stuff so um, sometimes it's just without trying to sort of explain it away and, and stick your head in the sand. Sometimes it is just a, you go through these little spells where things things go against you and, and the ball keeps sort of ending up in the net. That's football. Um, how about the performance as a whole, Stewie? Cherry Hunt, one of our columnists, has referred to it as the worst performance of the season. I think that's probably fair. Um, no shots on target. Obviously didn't score. Um and I pick the bones out of the performance as a whole. Are there any kind of players you're looking at, either positively or negatively? Brandon Williams was back in for this one. I think by consensus, he was probably Town's man of the match. Yeah, he was prob- probably the the pick of a, a fairly average budge on yeah. on on the night. Um, although I wasn't that keen on his on his yellow card in the second half. That was a sign of a bit of ill discipline. Sam Morsey as well getting a fairly needless yellow. He's now two away from a two-game suspension coming into a really important period. So that, that's an area that they'll they'll look at when things aren't going against you. You've still got to sort of keep your discipline. Um, performances, I, I thought they exploited the Ipswich's left. I think that, you know, a better side is now looking, okay, Leif Davis has got some super strengths in terms of his assists and his ability to get mm. up and down. But I think they... They targeted that and had Jed, Jed Wallace staying quite high and right in the same way that Wes Burns does for Ipswich and, and he got a bit of joy down that right-hand side. Um, Jack Taylor, I'll give him a little mention, actually. Um, they obviously decided to go with him over Massimo, who'd been sort of halfway around the world and back on international duty with Australia. For someone who kind of sees himself very much as a number 10 and attacking midfielder, I thought he embraced the sort of defensive side of the game. He got back and made a few little tackles and showed that he's willing to do that side of it. It was just the attack that the forward end of the Ipswich Mm. team wasn't quite as joined up as as it usually is. Nathan Broadhead was was virtually anonymous. Um, Connor Chaplin things just weren't, couldn't really get into the game. Things weren't coming off for him. Wes Burns was an outlet, but maybe a little bit of rustiness coming back from that that shoulder injury slashed at a, a couple of chances when it was, which did have rare openings in the box. George Hurst, really usual work rate, but fed off scraps for, for most of the game. So this is the first time in a long, long time that Ipswich never looked... Uh, they never looked like scoring because they had, they had opportunities in that first half. But once it mm. went to 2-0, West Brom sort of shut the door in their faces and uh, you, you never felt like the uh, the comeback was on. So um, I, for me, as I said right at the very start, sometimes you just got to give some quality, uh, some credit to, to the opposition. Absolutely. Uh, in terms of quality of opposition, it should have been 3-0, Stu. 
extraordinary miss from uh, from Matt Phillips. Where does, where does this one rank in your uh, your pantheon of great misses? Because I don't really understand how he's missed. How he's missed? He's obviously taken it on the wrong foot. He should have gone left foot, shouldn't he? But even yeah. so, you'd expect a, a professional football player at Championship level to to score those. Yeah. Um, I think probably Ryan Hardy's for Plymouth last season still just about surpasses that, if you remember that one. Mm. Um, but yeah, that was yeah, as you say, he's he's gone with the, he's gone with the wrong foot, hasn't he? And it's it's almost gone out back from whence it's came, almost out for a throw in, hasn't it? Um, so yeah, it felt like West Brom at that stage in the second half were toying with Ipswich a little bit. They probably could have gone and got more goals if they'd have, have really sort of uh, put their foot down, but defensively um, they were so organized they cut mm. off the passing lanes when Ipswich did get a, a sniff around the box they were, they were defending with desire there was a one really big ta- tackle from Cole Bartley who jumped up and celebrated it um, they've got a lot of clean sheets this season I think more than anyone in the division and uh, now that they've got a few players coming back from injury John Swift came on a Jay who's just come back from injury um they look like they've got a bit of depth to uh, to certainly be in the mix. They're up to, they're up to fifth now, so you're going to lose the odd game away from home along along the way in the championship. This is the most competitive league in the world. Ipswich have just come up into it. Um, it would have been naive to to think that that was um, that that wasn't going to be the case. So I know it's a strange feeling, and I know people are not quite sure how to kind of deal with the emotions of of defeat, but. Um, I think the good thing is that there's a couple of home games coming up now to try and uh, rectify that and, and snuff out some of those emotions quite quick. Absolutely. Hardest league in the world, championship, isn't it? Hardest one to get out of. Um, what is the greatest miss you've ever seen, Stewie? I, I still take myself back a long time because I'm old to, uh, was it Ronnie Rosenthal for Liverpool all those years ago? I think it was against Aston Villa where he's rounded the keeper, literally has an open goal and manages to hit the bar from about two yards. Um, <laughs> I don't think anything can ever top that. Is there anything that stands out for you? Have you seen one that was going around fairly recently on the internet? And I can't remember what what league it's from. I think it might be from Germany, where the guy actually prevents the ball going over the line. The ball's going in from his teammate, (laughs) and he somehow manages to kind of. You would be you'd be concerned about um, a match betting scandal here. He actually kind of like hooks the ball off off his own line. I'll see if I can find it while we're talking, so I can tell you tell you the game and point people, listeners in in the direction of it. That is that has got to be the worst I've seen. Yeah, and then from misses to great goals, Stewie. I know it was against your side, but did you see Garnacho's goal at the weekend? Of course you did. What yes. An what an unbelievable goal that was. Yeah. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, the way he sort of adjusts and the ball's going away from him and takes takes two steps back and gets some proper airtime as well. <laughs> People saying it's better than the Rooney one, probably because Rooney's does come off his shin if you look back at that. <laughs> but there's a difference between best goals and most iconic goals. Oh, does, absolutely! Does yeah. Scoring in the th- sort of third or fourth minute of a of a three nil win hmm. is that going to go down in sort of the annals? I'm sure people, you know it's going to get replayed forever more, but it's not iconic. Like I don't know. Uh, that really goal was in a derby as well, wasn't it? Which kind of adds yeah. Extra... So all those little bits of late—is it the winner? Is it late on? Is it mm. against a rival? Does it mean something? I think you've got to put all those elements in when you're discussing best ever Premier League goals. 
Mm. Right, after that little detour, let's get back on track with a little chat about perspective, shall we, Stu? Now, we said Mar- clearly... Marlon Harewood, by the way, we've got to mention the Ipswich, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our missus and Ipswich, yeah. Absolutely. Um, now, we said, obviously, Town have lost. It's a strange feeling. We, we, let's not get carried away, though, friends, because, A, nothing's really changed in, in, in the general picture with the results elsewhere, so they're still seven points clear of third place, so things um, not as bad as it could be in, in, in that perspective. And also, of course, the general overall picture... Is still very rosy. What was that? Through the third league defeat of the season, they've calendar still only lost year. calendar year. Sorry, they've still only lost two games in the league this season, haven't they? Which is the fewest in the championship. Um, and it, we, you have to say that it's inevitable. They've started so well; it's inevitable they're going to trend back more towards the mean. They're not going to carry on at this kind of express train pace that, that they started at. They are going to start to lose games. There's going to be bad stretches that's going to happen friends so we need to kind of prepare ourselves for that but overall Stewie perspective wise that's something you asked Kieran McKenna about so let's uh, let's hear what he said in terms of perspective I think it's only the third league defeat this calendar year um, incredible momentum really from sort of Feb- February onwards you have to just sort of lick your wounds for this one and then just move on quite quickly with a couple of home games coming up yeah um that's always going to be the case. We're going to lose games, you know, this season. Um, and it's about moving on to the next one and about the response that we produce. But more so, it's not like we need a big response. We lost a, a really tough game away to West Brom. We, we just get ready for Millwall now. Of course, we'll, we won't ignore the, the lessons from the game. We'll, we'll reflect on it pretty quickly and, and we'll move on to the next game. That's the nature of the season. It's a 46-game season and uh, you're going to lose some games. So... Um, no problem with the player's effort, no problem with our intent. A um, couple of mistakes for, for two goals that, that hurt us and um, we'll learn from that and we'll move on. OK then, Stu, do you want to put a nice little bow on this one then for us in your kind of authoritative, grown-up, sensible, thoughtful, trademark way? Yes, town have lost, but things are still looking pretty rosy in, in the garden. I think so. I, I wasn't that keen, if I'm completely honest, on a couple of the chants coming from the away end towards the end. and which was, uh, you know, the sarcastic, ironic, we've had a shot and we've got the ball. People pay a lot of money to travel up and down the country. I get that. And maybe it was just a little bit of dark humour to kind of get themselves through a, mm. the end of a, a cold game where things hadn't gone quite well. But I think this team probably deserves a little bit more than that, given what they've dished up over the last uh, 12 months or so. Um yeah, I can't say any more about the perspective stuff other than sort of West Brom's home record is unreal. They've only mm. lost two of their last 24 at home. Matt Phillips is someone who's played nearly 150 games in the Premier League. Grady Dean Garner's gone for an £18 million transfer fee at one stage. They're a, they're a decent side and Ipswich just got hit with a couple of goals at the wrong times. And uh, it, it happens. Um, I haven't completely got my head in the sand about sort of this performance being within the context of us talking about them maybe being a little bit below par from mm. the second international break onwards, few results that maybe they got away with, hanging on late on at Bristol City, the Plymouth game at home could have gone the other way, maybe got out of jail late on at Birmingham, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But as you said, Maybe they were overperforming at the start mm. of the season, really. Maybe they were, there was the elements of them being a bit of a surprise package, maybe a little bit underestimated in the early days, maybe just sort of still feeling that glow of promotion momentum 
and everything maybe this is just kind of really where they like you say the mean performance levels actually are they had they've had to put as mckenna keeps saying everything into all of these results which all of them really have been favorite phrase fine margins that could have gone <laughs> could have gone one way or another they've you can't repeatedly tip them your way game mm. after game week after week um so yeah i don't think there's there's a huge m- amount more to say about this game it wasn't our day, which was the opening line from Kieran McKenna. Kind of rather rather sums it up, really. So, um, yeah, ho- hopefully these next two home games, um, we can move on quite quickly from then. You, you hope yeah. that this doesn't bleed into these next two home games, which on paper, you know, look sort of winnable in the in the grand scheme of things. If it if there's a bit of a hangover going into these two, then all of a sudden, sort of. Um, you know the pressure is the wrong word, but questions mm. and all all of those sort of worries just just exacerbate going into some some tougher games around the Christmas period. Of course, yeah, I mean this is what you'd want, isn't it? In terms of bouncing back from from a rare defeat, two home games, winnable games. They come through these two next next two games with six points, and this one is pretty quickly forgotten, and we're and we're moving on. How about before we move on to other stuff, Stewie? There's there's a lot of other stuff to talk about. McKenna's hundredth game, and um, reflections on that, and also the Millwall game coming up. Um, how about any other notes from from the road from West Brom? Because I enjoy <laughs> I enjoyed the behind the scenes video which uh, you you appeared on. I enjoy that mainly because I know how much you hate doing those kind of things. <laughs> um, and also, I enjoyed that. I think there was something along the lines of um, Ross said, kind of, yeah. We, obviously, we've all travelled up. And then he kind of looks at you and obviously you were driving, Stu. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. We've just been sit, sat in the car while you've been uh, navigating us here, and then you'll you'll drive us home. Um, how how was the journey? How was how was the Hawthorns with the the young guns? Uh, I like the Hawthorns. It's a nice, it's a nice stadium. Um, their press room is is lovely. It's on. It's got a big glass fronted mm. view of of the pitch, which not many clubs have. Most of them probably use that for get a bit of corporate coin coming in. And um, but that that was nice. Yeah, they, they fed us. They looked after us. Um, nice stadium. We were kind of up towards the end where the the Ipswich fans were and the the noisier home fans were. I, I always like it when you've kind of got. The, the away fans and the noisy element of a, of a home stadium kind of next to each other, bouncing off each other. So that was good. Um, yeah, the, the day in itself was fine. It's just a, just a shame about the result and the performance, really. What's the dynamic like in the jazz? Take us inside the jazz. You're obviously, <laughs> you're obviously daddy bear doing all the driving. Is, it, is there much conversation going on? Is Ross just whacking his cans on and listening to music, not paying any attention to the road or no, Ross, Ross will prepare the odd quiz. And um, yeah. Alex was testing us on the lineups from the last time it switched played West Brom and stuff like that. So that kills a bit of time in the car. They, those two sort out a Spotify music playlist. Okay. Um, get, get some tunes going. Um, yeah. That's, Excellent. Yeah, a happy good. little band, a happy little band of travelers on the way to the Hawthorns and back. Right. And so, so that game's in the books, unfortunately a loss for town, but it was notable as a game, because it was Kieran McKenna's 100th game in charge, Stewie. Unbelievably, we're already at this, that stage. Uh, and his record is pretty tasty, isn't it, old friend? Uh, won 58 of those, drawn 27, only lost 15, um, which is pretty mind-blowing, considering the sort of position that Town were in when he came in. And I guess now it would be remiss of us not to reflect on Kieran McKenna's reign so far, those first 100 games. I was going back to when he was appointed. I remember... 
Um, obviously, Cook had gone, and they'd bit, there was all sorts of turmoil around the the, uh, the Charlton, wasn't there? And then the Barrow FA Cup game. I remember me, you, and Hutchie were all sitting down to record a pod, um, and we're about twenty minutes in, and then your phone started going, and emails started dropping in. And we decided to to call it quits and. And uh, within a few minutes, there was a story on online saying that McKenna was going to be the next manager of Ipswich Town. And if we're honest, none of us had ever really heard of him. Um, and I remember that first pod when he was appointed, we all kind of ended with a marks out of 10. And I think we were all around the 7 out of 10, kind of cautiously optimistic with a big asterisk that it was a risk to be appointing a relatively unknown manager in a situation at town we're in at the time. Um, and it was a risk, certainly, from Ashton. For, for for McKenna to be his, his first manager. It wasn't a name. It was someone he's kind of plucked from obscurity, really. Yes, he would have been known in the trade, but to the, the casual, the wider football audience, it, it wasn't a, a name signing. Um, how do you reflect on it then, Stu? Because it, I think it's fair to say it's gone better than any of us could ever have dreamt. That 15 defeats out of 100 is probably Mad, the most remarkable of yeah. the stats, isn't it? What's that? Three in every 20? Ending a loss, you start mm. to put that into perspective, and some of those have been sort of cup games we shrugged off a little bit, you know, against higher opposition as well. So, um, yeah, remarkable. I'm just having a look at the number of goals they've scored is it 123? No, more than that, 194. That was just the home tally 194 goals. Wow, over, over the course of those 100 games. Um, what more can I say about Kieran McKenna that hasn't been said over, over this period of time? Um, maybe a little bit naively, you know, we all sort of thought, oh, it's, uh, who, who is this guy? Um, because you don't get to become assistant manager of Manchester United in, in your mid-30s mm. along under not just one manager, but it was promoted by Jose Mourinho, kept on by Solskjaer and Ranić as well. Um yeah, those little those sort of doubts about oh, this is a bit of a risk were kind of blown away quite quickly from those early press conferences where where we all kind of saw his this sort of quiet confidence that never ever tips into arrogance, but he's just got this deep rooted belief in himself that I'm mm. ready for this, and he's always had this plan in his mind that um, he was going to build himself up from the first day where he had that operation and knew he couldn't play anymore he was out on the training pitch on his crutches and um and it's kind of set a tone really he's been yes there was a, there was a few before Kieran McKenna that people started going down the the Premier League youth team coaches and and stuff but I think what Kieran McKenna's done with Ipswich has really kind of sped up that and you look across the entire football league now everyone's everyone's trying to go down this younger career coach model now and uh and Kieran's kind of um trod the path for, for others to follow can you put your finger on it on kind of any any one thing that he's kind of stamped on on town because they were in a bad way let's be honest and it was it was a bad way at the end of years of of, of bad times and general kind of eroding of the the club and the team sliding downwards and then McKenna's come in and obviously there's a lot of other factors as well but he's he's he completely turned things around is there anything you you put your finger on gone this is this is the what you, the main thing that he's kind of done um, I, I keep saying I think his top strength above everything else is his communication and mm. his his man management and the way he he can kind of deal with people and get them to buy in 
to the culture that all joins up with what the owners and, and Mark Ashton are, are trying to get this this culture uh, within the club of the sort of the running towards adversity and what it means to represent Ipswich Town and um, so that that is his communication skills I think the, not only the way he communicates with his players but the way he communicates with the supporters via mm. us the media I think is exceptional got everyone sort of really bought into what he's trying to do. Uh, you see a lot of these managers that come in and try and change the playing style and unless you communicate that and there was a there was a time where people were getting you know you hear those sort of audible gasps in the crowd when when the goalkeeper's trying to pass yeah. out from the back and yeah. um if that if you don't communicate that in the right way it's difficult to kind of get everyone's hearts and minds in those early stages of, of transition when things aren't 100 percent right so so he, he did all of that um and obviously, sort of tactically, he's, you know, as a coach, he's he's been unbelievable in terms of sort of tweaking systems and finding ways to win games. And he's had an eye for a player as well in terms of the transfer market. Yes, he's, he was well backed in League One. He was able to sign players that that a lot of his uh, competitors weren't able to. But you know, pinpointing straight away they'd gone left back was a, a troublesome position. And he goes and signs mm. Leif Davis and. You know, January there were some areas that they were that they needed to upgrade last year, and he and he did so. So, yeah, you don't have that record um, without ticking a number of boxes, and and he's done that in terms of recruitment, in terms of personality, in terms of tactics. Um, yeah, he's he's he's, uh, he's got a lot going for him. That's fair to say. Um, can you give us any behind the scenes kind of insights, Julius, to what he's like to to deal? Because you you've been a journalist at a long time you've had you've dealt with a lot of managers going back to covering Colchester United we know that McKenna takes kind of a different approach in terms of explaining things and, and time with the media but what, what is he what is he like I want to say off camera but he comes across as very serious and thoughtful and analytical how, how would you assess him in, in the time you spent with him and, and your relationship with him compared to maybe other managers of the, of the past of your career yeah I can't say I, I truly know sort of Kieran, Kieran McKenna, because I think mm. there is that sort of little bit of, of healthy professional distance there, which I've, yeah. I've always liked within this role as, as well. Um, but he has sort of mentioned that he's got a bit of that, you know, when you talk about that calmness about him and, and everything, mm. he sort of says, well, Martin Pert's the calm one out of the two of us. I've got a little bit of that uh, Celtic fire in my belly at times. So uh, I'd be interested to hear from from people who've maybe seen that at times and I'm sure that gets unleashed when it needs to and if it's not mm. an every week kind of thing if it's a two or three times a season max it has an impact um my the few little uh off the record sort of meetings and, and things that we've we've had at times uh he is a football obsessive I think you'll struggle to get him off the subject of football and on on to other things obviously as a is a family man as well and values yeah. that. But I think that is his life, football, family, that is it. Um, you know, it just is utterly consumed by the mm. game. Um, and and just, um, as I said, just a good people person. Like, I think Brenna Woolley wrote this in a piece that he did for the BBC recently. After that first season, when he came in, um, where did they finish? I'm trying to remember. It was an... Uh, they finished with a was it a draw at crew was the last away game of yeah. the season, I think. Yeah. And uh 
you know, we, we finished the recording of, of the post-match and he stopped and just said, I just shook all our hands and said, oh, thank, thanks for um, thanks for following us up and down the country. You know, really appreciate it. And and all our jaws sort of hit the floor because we've never really had a manager that that had kind of almost recognised us as, as human beings in, in that way, you know, and just, just little things. I'm not going overboard, but things that you, you take for granted, you know, how are you? How's your week been? What did you get up to over the international break? Just, just those little things like that that go that go a hell of a long way. Yeah, yeah. Exciting times, Stu. Wonder where we'll be after after two hundred games under McKenna. Interesting to think about, isn't it? Um, right, Stu. Should we move on then to the uh, the final thing? I guess we have to talk about on on today's pod, which is the return to action. These games come thick and fast. We know this next ten game block, I think it is, um, is going to be massive for deciding what happens this season. Um, and they bounce straight back into a home game with Millwall on Wednesday night. Millwall, uh, clearly, AJ's not, not around today. He'll have some insight into them. But 18th in the table, new boss, Joe Edwards, who, uh, fair to say, did not have the best first home game at the weekend. They were they were tonked fairly comprehensively 3-0 by, by Coventry City. Um, how are we feeling about this one then? We've said that this is kind of what you'd want, really, coming off the back of a, a defeat, a uh, a promotion rival, two home games, two winnable home games. What are we feeling about this one, Stewie? Yeah, well, we've just been talking about how McKenna's kind of opened the door for, for similar types of coaches. Um, mm. Joe Edwards, 37, has worked at Chelsea and Everton and has recently been the England uh, 20s, under 20s manager. So there's evidence of, of that. Um, I think... This is the ideal game. If you could pick a game now for Ipswich, mm. it would be at home and it would be against the side without sort of wanting to underestimate them. They're a, they're a club that's probably in a bit of transition under a new manager that are trying to change style a little bit. They were quite pragmatic under Gary Rower. It kind of brings back memories of, of a club that was probably overachieving in the way Ipswich probably were under Mick McCarthy. Um, fans eventually getting sort of fed up with, with the football and I'll, we will never, I think anyone associated with Ipswich, cast rocks at other clubs that go, hang on a minute, Gary Rowett got you within just outside the playoffs repeatedly year after year. Mm. You know, you weren't there, man. You didn't have to sit <laughs> through it and, and be bored. Um senseless so I don't know how bad the football was without having seen Millwall week in week out and having been sort of dis disassociated with the championship for four years uh, covering Ipswich in, in League One but they obviously felt there was time for a change I think um, he'll try and sort of harness that uh, out of possession work rate that Millwall have, have become known for and, and try and add a little bit of uh, something a little bit more so he's talking about a little bit more calmness on, on the ball and um, so a bit of a mixed start for them so far. They they thumped Sheffield Wednesday and then uh, they got that heavy defeat at the weekend themselves. So you would hope that Ipswich are in a, a good position in front of their own fans under the lights to uh, to take advantage of a, of a team that's still finding their feet. Mm. We know Alex, having covered Norwell last season, is very high on Zian Fleming. He's an excellent player. I think he's their star man so far. Four goals, two assists. And we can't overlook, friends, that a very popular man of Ipswich Town past will likely be between the sticks for Millwall. Big Bart, what a keeper he was for town and, and what a bloody nice guy, Stu. You spent some time with him. Yeah, 
remains the only Ipswich footballer that's invited me to his house to do an interview yeah. and uh, went over there and I remember his his two kids running around, his little boy in particular, who would have probably been only, I don't know, four or five at the time, I think is now in the Ipswich Academy and is, is growing up fast. So he's remained living sort of just in Ipswich throughout all his, all his time in Millwall. Um, it looked like he was going to be, you know, he dropped to the bench and was, was becoming their sort of backup man, but uh, sold their keeper in, in the summer. The guy who's come in has, has got an injury and Bart's back between the sticks. So I think we were hoping that we might have been able to speak to him in the build-up to this game. But the fact that he's he's likely to be playing means uh, I think Millwall aren't so keen for him to do a, a glowing praise interview about his, his time at Ipswich uh, before the game, at least. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think how, how many players are left at Ipswich that, that would have crossed over with Bart. Now there's been quite a big change. People like Luke Wolfenden st- still around. Um, one or two others, Caden Jackson, but but not loads, I wouldn't have thought. Mm. Um, how do we feel about the team then, Stu? Obviously, there were, there were a couple of changes at the weekend. You mentioned there Jack Taylor starting. Clearly, Luongo had been flying around the world playing for Australia. Um, what would you do with the side going back into game pretty pretty quickly after Saturday night um I think I'll probably want to freshen it up he's made that pretty clear that it's now the games are coming thick and fast with the midweeks that it will mm. make some changes it's, there's been sort of two or three for these midweek games I wonder if as we've seen I think it was both both midweeks when the center half switch up has happened a couple of times we've seen Edmondson come in for certain occasions, we've seen Twanzavi dipped in as well. Now, is this you know, especially with the goals against, is this something where he, he tries to to go with something there? I don't know. Um, which of those two I mentioned, I would have thought Axel Twanzavi is someone that he wants to to get in and really sort of get up to speed at some stage, especially with mm. you know Cameron Burgess likely to go away with Australia for for a period with the Asian Cup in, in the new year. Something like that might happen. Um, Massimo back in for Jack Taylor in, in midfield for a, for a bit bit more bite against a team that, um, that, as I say, worked quite hard out of possession. And then up front in the final third, I mean, Burns, Chaplin, Broadhead, Hurst is, is the chosen four. Will he deviate too much away from that? I'm, I'm not sure. Does he give Marcus Harness a start, given the mm. sort of the the credit that he's built up in in the bank with some substitute appearances? It's a it's a big call dropping Nathan Broadhead. Yes, he was very quiet at the weekend, but he's he's got star quality and and he's produced some big moments at, at Portman Road. Um, likewise, Connor Chaplin not been at his top top levels of of late, but. You know, he's such a big goal threat if the ball falls to him in, in the right area. So I'm not sure if he'll if he'll do too much in that that final third. I mean it was it was a shame Amari Hutchinson wasn't available mm. at the weekend. He he travelled with the squad but got, got sent home separately because he's the latest one to have suffered from a bit of a, a sickness bug. Um so I, I would doubt that he would off the back of that go straight into the starting eleven, but it would be nice to have him as a sort of a game changing option on the bench. Um so yeah, we'll see. All right, predictions then, Stu. None of us got anything at the weekend. We uh, <clears throat> we all said draws or or wins. All of us obviously picked the first goal scorer. Town didn't score. Who would have seen that coming? How are you feeling about about this game in terms of a prediction? 
Me to go first? Shall I go, go first? Yeah, go on then. I reckon this this feel has the feel to me of hopefully quite a straightforward home win. So I'm going to say I'm going to say two nil. Nice solid. I mean, that, that would be flying in the face of what we tend to see at Portman Road, which is all action, mad entertainment, lots of goals. But I wouldn't be too I wouldn't be too disappointed if it's just a nice solid two nil. This one, keep a clean sheet, um, avoid that those early goals, conceding two goals, that kind of thing. Uh, and I reckon, I want to say Wes Burns for the first goal scorer. Um, has that feeling to me. How about you? I'll see your 2-0 and I'll raise yep. it to a 3-0. Oh, a 3-0 would be lovely. Yeah, I feel like it's got all of the ingredients for, for one of those nights. I think the team is going to be fired up to, to put the performance from Saturday right. Um I think always un- under the lights adds, adds a little bit something. Millwall, as I say, sort of a team maybe still in, in transition a little bit and trying to change a, f- a few things. Um, so I'll go 3-0 and I think they're going to really want to to shut the door and get that clean sheet. That's something mm. that I think they'll they'll really be working on, you you would have thought. Um, they know the patterns of attacking play are well embedded now. They know they can score goals. Uh, I think they'll be really focused on, on maintaining their focus and uh, keeping those concentration levels high, and and if they can do that, then yeah, hopefully, hopefully another three points. That would be nice. Certainly help to put um, Saturday's defeat behind us pretty pretty swiftly. Who do you reckon is going to get the first goal, Stewie? Let's go with Nathan Broadhead. Ah, Broadhead wants to bounce back. So we're we're both saying wins two nil and three nil. Rossi and and AJ will venture their predictions. We'll share them in in due course. Anything else? Um, talk about on this week's or this today's pod Stewie have you been watching any good telly recently I'm absolutely addicted to the new squid games uh game I guess you call it a game show um on Netflix it's brilliant I don't know if you watched it yet uh, clearly you have to have watched the series to kind of fully appreciate it because it's so faithful to the series it's unbelievable they must have spent so much money on it they've obviously they've replicated the dorm with all those massive bunk beds and they're living in there they've got the 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 red light green light game is basically as you saw in the in the series um and not only that but it's also really interesting from a kind of social experiment point of view like it's from the people who did the traitors and so there's that kind of social um kind of game playing backstabbing what what happens to people when there's a lot of money involved i mean it's 4.56 million the winner wins you, which is the biggest game show prize ever available. And and the way they're doing it is you, you're starting to see people's kind of true natures emerging and perhaps acting in a way they wouldn't normally if it was just on their own, you know, the kind of um, herd mentality. And... Yeah, Lord, Lord of the Flies mob exactly. mentality, all that sort yeah. of stuff. Yeah. 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 Uh, they've been really faithful to all the games from Squid Game. Uh, they, they cut out the cookies and stuff like that. Yeah, the cookie, the cookies, man, that is that is a real tough watch. The cookie one, um, and although clearly there's, it's not the same stakes as as the series because they don't actually get offed if they if they lose. <laughs> they do have these like little like ink or blood bags, so mm. when they are eliminated, they explode. And they. So uh, I've got a bit of inside information here on this. A member yeah. of my family works as kind of a an extra in various TV shows and, and movies and stuff and was involved mm. in the, the the sort of the trial runs of this. So I heard about this about a year ago. Yeah. She was telling me how they wore these sort of body vests and that some of them were malfunctioning, 
you know, if you moved a little bit in red light, green light, and they, just uh, they, they were just sort of going off and stuff like that. So, like you say, it sounds like quite a bit of money's gone into that. I'll give it a watch. I haven't got uh, it's it's really good. I think if you enjoyed the first, I mean, when I heard they were doing a, a kind of game show based in it, I thought, oh, that'll be shite. But it is really, really, really good. And they've just set up, I think the, um, the next episodes are out uh, later this week, and they've just set up the marbles game. And the way they've done that is so clever. I don't want to give anything away if you've not watched it, but essentially they've forced people into a situation where they are kind of with their most cherished person in the game. Mm. And now they've realized they've got to play them at marbles and what it means. It's so, it's so good the way they've done it. That was the uh, best episode of, of Squid Game. Oh yeah. hundred yeah. percent. I'm still wondering if there's a plant in there, you know, like in the, the actual series, the old boy was a plant. Mm. I wonder if there's going to be, if it's going to be that faithful and one of the players isn't quite who they seem maybe so far. Um, anything else you've been up to? I know you've been look, clearly, Stewie. You've been uh, up and down the country covering Ipswich Town. Do you get any any spare time? What what do you do in your spare time now? Christmas tree went up yesterday. Oh, that's a big yeah. shout before December yeah. started. Yeah, the wife said, "Should should we do it? Should we get it? Should we get it down from the loft?" So, um, yeah, that was yesterday. Getting getting all set up for Christmas. Is what's um, is Watson's household fully Christmas ready? Then have we got all the decorations up? Or is it no? Well, there isn't. There isn't loads more beyond the mm. beyond the tree, um, but yeah, yeah. So how's that... a, how's Bluey? We've not had an update on Bluey for a while. I actually got to meet Bluey um, from the doorstep the other week, which was a which was a thrill. You've got a nice little setup for him. What? Oh, he's, he's got a little house under the stairs, hasn't he? Has yeah, yeah. I told you about his little house. Um, yeah, yeah. He's very intrigued by this. This will be his first Christmas with us, so he's very intrigued by the tree. Having to kind of uh, box that off from him a little bit because I think he might. You might give it a nibble otherwise, but yeah, he's good. Yeah, he's all right. I was quite tired by the time the weekend came to an end. I, I put on a bit of Planet Earth 3. It's like a oh, yeah. old pair of slippers. Yeah. A bit, bit of uh, David Attenborough talking over some nature. That, can yeah. Can't go wrong with that. Although I do still struggle to watch it when the animals die. I can't, I can't really, I'm not emotionally. I only prepared. watched the first one last night. Have you seen the one with the monkeys huddling in the cold? That's, no. That's, that's quite that... sad. Yeah. No, I don't want to say I can't, I struggle with that kind of thing. Uh, will Bluey get a Christmas present, Stu? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. A little uh, Ipswich Town vest, maybe, for the rabbit. <laughs> do they, yeah, do they do. <laughs> they should do. Yeah. I'm missing a trick otherwise. Uh, any, anything else to mention, Stu, before we take our leave and get on with our Monday? Uh, no, I don't think so. No other business. Rossi uh, is not with us today. He's meant to be off this week. Um, it, it will come as no surprise to you that Ross is not the best at taking time off. He often books time and then forgets he's booked it. Um, he was meant to be flying, I think, to, to Ireland today. That's now off. So Ross is actually working today. And the reason he's working is because he's, he's recording a, a special Tractor Girls Talk podcast, which is uh, bringing some quite big news, which I believe is going to be um, dropping uh, in the next day or so. Um, so look out for that. Um, and then obviously AJ will be back tomorrow. And he's, he's very excited, I think, to, to get stuck into the Millwall preview stuff, given his, uh, his past life covering Millwall. Um, and then we'll be back, obviously, at Portman Road on, on Wednesday with all the boys. So say hello if you do see them, if you are going, enjoy the game. Just a reminder then, before we go to support our sponsors, use the code KOA at manscaped.com for 20% off and free delivery and all that excellent stuff, including the newly launched Lawnmower 5.0 um, below the waist trimmer, which I'm uh, we've all got one to try. I need to get those to you at some point. And also, Ginger Pickle, get the badge in. Thanks very much for your support there. Tony Southgate and the team at Ginger Pickle. If you need help with your digital advertising, your Google ranking, your SEO, get involved with them. They're, they're the, the team that you want to be 
involved in and also friends i've not asked for a while but if you could leave us a little five star review on itunes it just helps lift us visibility wise in the charts and helps more people find us and join the koa army we should have mentioned of course to you that we had quite a major milestone the other, the other day on koa we've passed two million all-time listens which when i think back to how this show started which was basically you me and hutchie huddled around an iphone in whichever empty room we could find in an office um with real no, no kind of sort of structure or plan or even real feeling that anyone would listen to it <laughs> um, nothing's changed <laughs> yeah true. <laughs> certainly when i'm in charge um we've come a long way baby that's nice isn't it two mil that's quite that's mind-blowing right. really it is yeah yeah so uh thanks to everyone who's ever listened to the show ever been involved in it ever engaged in it ever even moaned about us um we still enjoy that as well um because we this is for this is for everyone um and that's why we do it and we enjoy doing it so here's to here's to the next two million uh and hopefully you'll join us along the ride because who knows where this current ride might be ending up stewie hey this next 100 games for mckenna where might we be we shall find out right then friends we better finish here we've got to get on with our mondays uh the week has started the first part of the week is in the books if you're going to the game on wednesday night enjoy it we'll be back at some point to break it all down and speak to you again so have a great one and we'll speak to you next time Thank you.